This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Michelle Ray, the author of Living from the Center Within, co-creating who you are becoming. Living from the Center Within is a highly engaging, interactive, informative, and accessible journey toward higher consciousness. Moving from personal pain and lacking to abundance and wholeness is possible. Living from the Center Within helps readers center, quiet, and open the mind-body-heart. Using the wisdom of ancient teaching and modern science, invitations to daily transformative practice and reflection questions, Ray walks with readers through three levels of human consciousness, expanding awareness, focusing attention, and clarifying intention brings people to their center within. Michelle Ray is a transformational coach and spiritual teacher, She is the founder of The Center Within, LLC, author of Living from the Center Within, co-creating Who You Are Becoming, and graduate faculty at the University of Minnesota in three colleges. As an intuitive, Michelle provides guidance navigating the transformative shift we are individually and collectively engaged in as we expand our access to higher consciousness. Her passion is supporting individuals and service groups choosing timelines that have the most positive outcomes for themselves and the greater collective. She delights as clients and students step more fully into their power and release what no longer serves while creating a life they love personally and professionally. To learn more about Michelle or for questions, please email her at michelle at centerwithin.com Call her 612-465-9775 or visit centerwithin.com. Here is the interview with Michelle Ray. In your own words, who is Michelle Ray? Oh, Michelle Ray, as many of us think of ourselves as a spirit having a human life. I'm here to explore and to grow and to become more of who I am in this expression of the divine, to be of service to those on my path. I find that being human, being Michelle Ray as human being is exploration, curiosity, learning to love and be loved, learning to radiate love, 
And my own process is in many human beings, there's a process of healing, of finding our holes, finding the places where we feel incomplete or insufficient. And as we learn and grow in our intelligences, you know, our human intelligence, intellectual, social, emotional, spiritual, then we become, those holes become filled in and we become whole. And from that condition, then the rest of my life has been more or less being willing and able to be presence to radiate. I teach at the University of Minnesota in three different colleges, including the Center for Spirituality and Healing, the Pharmacy School, and the Humphrey Institute. And I enjoy teaching and speaking about enlightenment and consciousness and awareness and growing our intelligences and aligning our lives with our inner essence so we can create a life that we love. Um, so I've had a series in my life of uh, being a healthcare provider, a pharmacist initially. I have a master's in human development. And I have really enjoyed a variety of opportunities, such as this interview, Valerie, that comes up to be able to continue to build community during this incredibly fertile time for transformation. You mentioned enlightenment and the center within. So enlightenment, to me, somehow implies destination and center within, that there is a center. Talk to me about these ideas. You're right. They do imply that. They kind of point to that. And I, maybe like you, don't see it as a destination, but the journey. It's a process of becoming, of being in full alignment with our heart song. And it's a way of being awake. I consider I, a lot of my practices and my work is based on mindfulness, which is a variety of definitions, but it's really having all of our attention in the present moment. And so being awake means we don't have energy and attention leaking out into the past and ruminating and worrying or into the future in where we, the circumstances have not yet uh, revealed themselves to us as to what our best and optimal choice will be. So this idea of being enlightened or living from your center within means to me that in this moment, I have my full capacity, all of the ways I know, right? I can see, I can hear, I can smell, taste, touch. But in addition, I'm open to intuition. I'm open to the subtle ways of knowing in this moment. And we can't be awake in this moment if our attention and our senses are not present. What is life? Not what life is about, but what is this? <laughs> I see this as a version of spirit knowing itself. I believe that we, as our awareness, pure awareness, pure potential, lives in many forms and is does not have a beginning nor an end. And it shifts and changes. And so when we, when this spirit comes into this body for this lifetime, for me, life is about experience. It's about pleasure. It's about joy. It's about 
evolving, about becoming more interconnected, about feeling into what it's like to be in this matter, this body, this life, in relationship to, in the interconnection to other human beings, to the earth, to the plant life. And I believe that we continue to move towards a place of deeper understanding of the beauty and joy of this life with each other. And we've made some choices as human beings in the process of growing and developing into our optimal self as a species that have been suffering, that have caused suffering. And I and I believe that we continue to move towards this experience of being able to feel into each other as each other. And so living for me is about the evolution of our species here as humanity towards a higher consciousness, a higher level of access to a higher level of consciousness where we really get the connection and support each other and call each other into our genius. I think we're moving from a time, a life where we were motivated by avoiding suffering and moving towards pleasure to being able to be motivated by knowing our inner genius, our inner essence, our inner heart song, and living a life in alignment with that. And then setting up all kinds of systems from education to governing to finance that support each human being stepping fully into their power and not leaving any potential unrealized. That's what I think we're doing here. Wow, I love that. That sounds like an experiment of the divine. (laughs) So let me ask you this question that I often ask most of my guests, or some of them, what do you think is the opposite of this, the opposite of the human experience? I guess I, I think about things in, in, in a continuum. And so I think about human beings having reached a level of development where we are aware of ourselves. And I think that the opposite or the inversion of that or a lower level of development are are beings that are filled with consciousness but aren't necessarily aware of themselves. So I think of it more at a level of development of instinct versus actually being aware of themselves and then being able from that level that we are invited to, to participate in co-creating who we are becoming versus following in an unaware line of evolution and a line of living a life, but simply based on instinct. So that's how I think of it. I've never been asked that question. It's a great question, Valeria. Talk to me for a moment about intuition. What is intuition and how do we learn to cultivate it? Well, I think the main uh, beginning of cultivating intuition is to be able to have some sense of stillness, some sense of inner physical stillness where we're not always agitated and moving and over busy. I think there's an intellectual and a mind stillness, right? We talk about all those thoughts. And if they 100% capture our attention and they have us, then there's no freedom, no free attention to notice 
intuition. And then same with emotions, right? If we're overrun by our emotions and we're constantly dysregulated, trying to regulate, again, we don't have access to noticing the intuition, which is always present. So intuition for me is that subtle way of knowing where you're paying attention to Maybe it's a synchronicity, right? A book comes up three times in a in a week and you're like, hmm, I think maybe I'll pick that up. Mm-hmm. Or you have an inner sense of, let me give this person a call. I don't really know why. And then you call and something's occurred. So it's it's this inner knowing, inner paying attention. And it comes into you and means something to you that's uh, unique. So it could be a dream even, right? And so the paying attention and then internalizing and finding the pattern, finding the connection, and then having the agency to act on it, all of that cultivates intuition. Yeah. I'm wondering if trust, it's also part of the process not just uh, being self-aware and knowing what thoughts to give attention to, but also trusting when we make that choice. Right. And you know, the cool thing about trust is if we unpack it on the why don't we trust, we either don't trust from our own holes, right, our own sense of insufficiency, or we're giving our trust away, our power away to an external system or an external authority. And so cultivating trust, exactly what you're saying, we move into that wholeness, then it's a little more playful then it's a little more curious. It's like, okay, this came up. I'm going to follow it. I don't even know what it means per se. I don't need to go down the road with my ego. I can just be playful with it and curious. And then when we loosen our grip on um, having to know every single nailed down detail of it and can use it as just like any other sense, right? A uh, and the next right thing, as we as we say, and just play play with it, do that, meet that person, follow up on that um, book, and pretty soon one thing leads to another, and you become a character in your own life, as curious as the next person, and it isn't so detrimental. It we do, we don't get so serious about it once we can play with it a bit. So true. <laughs> I agree about being playful. Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you the question about what your work is um, also all about this word consciousness. What is consciousness? Yeah, I've written a book called Living from the Center Within where I um, take a point of view around consciousness. And I view consciousness as this very large sea of consciousness, a very vast field, and it contains all that is, all the material and non-material world and all of the interconnections, all of the levels from quantum to very gross uh, galaxies and omniverses. It's all filled with consciousness. And how I see us as human beings from the center within perspective is that we continuously can open our awareness through intention, through where we place our attention, and we can access more of the field of consciousness, more of the subtle ways of knowing. And so the skills of building our awareness and attention and intention are very useful, you know, kind of like what I had mentioned around mindfulness skills. 
And all it does then is opens up our access to higher levels of consciousness. I think of it sometimes too like a radio station, you know. We can, there all those frequencies are right here. But if we're not attuned to them, they are outside of our ability to perceive them. So we're constantly being invited, at least from my perspective, in this playful way to open through our center within to have a deeper and wider perception of more of the field of consciousness. And that makes me think about this uh, idea or reality, really, why so many of us choose not to accept the invitation. I'm wondering why that happens more often than not. Yeah, from what I can tell, it um, primarily comes down to fear, right? We, I had a spiritual teacher once that said, we walk up the, the ladder of life backwards and we focus about, well, if I do that, if I get that advanced degree or I move to this place that's calling me, well, what will I be giving up? What will, what will change? What will be different? What will be unfamiliar or maybe even uncomfortable? I'm going to choose to play small and be in what's currently familiar and resist this longing, this deep ache I have inside to say yes to the invitation to developing to my full potential. And it's, I think, a lot based on fear. Some say that fear is the love, fear is the opposite of love, love is the opposite of fear, they are the same. Do you believe in this idea? I do think that fear keeps us limited in our experience of love. I do. I, and there's an acronym that I'm sure you're familiar with, Valeria, that says fear stands for false evidence appearing real. And love is always real. That's the energy throughout the cosmos, that, that we humans give a name to it, that is the invitation to be all that is. Love is expanding and fear is contracting. And living in contraction, you know, is synonymous with suffering. Yes, true. Well said. So I have a few more warm-up questions before we talk about some of the topics in your book living from your center within, co-creating who we are becoming. What do you love most about being a woman? Mm, I think that in my lifetime, women have had a lot more latitude to be who they are in expression without so many restrictions as the men. The men seem to be more confined to or bought into the preconceived notion of what men are. So women can be CEOs, they can be presidents of company, they can be in very public, powerful positions, they can be scientists, they can do whatever they want. And also they can be, uh, are more likely to receive less negative feedback to be full-time homemakers, to be artists, to be, take time off and play for a while and then go back to work for a while. And I also think that women have an incredible network among women if you want to. They're built in to be able to support us in 
processing and healing our holes in encouraging each other to be our genius, where men still, I feel, are a little bit more of that lone wolf kind of um, pers- pigeonholed into. You know, all that being said, being a woman definitely comes with its own glass ceilings, whether they're internal or external systems that tend to keep us, yes, go ahead and be amazing, but, you know, don't be too amazing. We're not going to really encourage you to take those real positions of power. And so I noticed that as uh, being a woman as well. Yes, and I agree. And my other question is, what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? I think the most challenging aspect is that you, I, I feel like men in general get a nod until they behave in a way that makes them incompetent. And I think that women are given the space to prove that they're competent. And once they do, are then let in to the club of competent people who are given respect, let's say, for instance. So I do feel like there's a difficulty in that. And I also feel like, and maybe you've had the same experience, Valeria, that in these last few decades in particular, the divine feminine is rising back up where the patriarchal, and this moves away from a man and a woman, but the energy of the patriarchal and oppression and power over and slicing and dicing and not seeing the whole is giving way as the divine feminine qualities of recognizing how interdependent we are, how everybody counts, how if everybody's in their power, everybody's better off, which is antagonistic or against the patriarchal. And I, for one, maybe being an eternal optimist, believe that humanity is moving to a place where the masculine and feminine, as the feminine rises, are going to hit a point where they can fuse together. There can be an actual fusion where they both dance in creating, creating a life, creating systems, creating education, healthcare, pick your system, but that they're both honored equally as they need to be for us human beings to be in optimal capacity. It's been a painful struggle to move in that direction, but I, for one, see us getting much closer. I love your vision. I have a question about freedom here for you, Michelle. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Free is to know yourself and to make every single choice in alignment with your essence, with your divine nature, having a human experience. So the lack of freedom is when, one, you don't even know what that is because you've been so dismissed by yourself and others, or you follow along with what you are told without running it through your truth center within and then behaving and making choices in ways that are compliant with often false information that you have been fed. I've been noticing lately the number of um, media presentations that are telling me, the viewer, that I'm either for this or I'm against this, right? And that's not freedom. 
because freedom is I'm not for, I'm not buying into the whole system. It's not about being for something or against something. Stop distracting me from my freedom, which says everybody counts. We can do this. It's an and. And please stop telling me either or is the only choice. That is not freedom. What do you think at this moment, at this time, with everything that's happening, what do you think is our greatest need? Our greatest need is to set down any place inside of us where we feel a lack and scarcity, where we feel entitled, where we are motivated by greed or fear. And when we can set that down, and as if you have invited us to step into freedom, we will stand up and realize the incredible abundance we have on this planet, the incredible value of the diversity of human beings, even just to start there, of different belief systems, different colors, different ways of seeing things. Because when I can really sit in freedom, not from this lack and entitlement and greed and oppression, and be with another human being and hear their story and see myself in them, that's freedom for the collective. And that's where we're heading. That's where we are being invited to step into. I have a few more questions, warm-up questions. Next one's about inner peace. What is your understanding and idea of inner peace? Inner peace rests at that center within as well. And the inner peace is continuous. It is unshakable. It is, as you had said in your invitation earlier, Valeria, it is our ability to trust. And so in the inner peace condition, if I can always have a part of my attention, my awareness resting in that sweet spot, then I can go through life, go through experiences that have a beginning, middle, and end that can be perceived as euphoric or can be perceived as detrimental. And I can be with them. I can make choices that are optimal in that moment to move forward, to relieve the suffering, to enjoy the pleasure, whatever it is. But if I can do that, experience those beginning, middle, and end experiences and events from that place of inner peace, I don't forget who I am, give up my freedom, and get swept into the whirlwind of those events, thinking that that's me and that that's life, because it's not. It's just an expression that's having a beginning, middle, and end. Do you somehow connect this idea of inner peace to balance? I do. I do. And I think inner peace and balance, I think about balance as sort of like a surfboard, right? We can stay on the surfboard, whether the waves are big or whether they're little, but we have to keep adjusting, you know, maybe like a sailboat, right? The winds come up, they go down. So there is a constant shifting, a constant necessity to be engaged in rebalancing continuously. And if we get frustrated and think, well, I want to stand here on this hard ground in this one place and stay in balance, right? That gives you a false sense of one security. And then when it doesn't 
happen because that's not life, then you feel inadequate. So balance is this continual motion to stay in a condition of peace and harmony. I love the word you used earlier with the feminine and the masculine energies, uh, the dance. It really feels like everything is a kind of dance movement. I have one last question for you. Do you ever use the word God? And if you do, what, where, and who is God? I do use the word God, and I use God um, as a coach, as a transformational coach. One of my things is to be with people where they are. And my favorite um, definition of God that I've read about is in a book by Deepak Chopra called How to Know God. And he talks about, uh, gives us a seven stages of how to know God and what his premise is that God is a reflection of our level of development. Kind of back to that idea again. So if I'm at the beginning of my development and I'm really grounded in fear, then God is that right old human with the long hair that lives somewhere else that's judging me all the time and I just try not to have the wrath. And then if I move from there, then then God becomes more like a prophet, right? And there's more information, and it's more about teaching, and it's more of a loving God. And, and then if I move from there, if I continue to grow in my own development, I can see God as a brother or a prophet or someone who's here to teach but is also embodied. And if I keep moving in the Christian tradition, then the next level of God might be the Holy Spirit, right? And that God lives in everything. But that God living in everything is almost blasphemous to a person whose level of development believes that God is a fear-based someone out there that you're trying to please. And so if you, to finish, and I haven't read the book for a while, so as I talk about this, I encourage any of our listeners to uh, pick it up and know that I have it generally right, (laughs) but not all the details. But the invitation then is to move even from the Holy Spirit to the idea of the Trinity, right? God is three persons in one and moving all the way until God is unity consciousness and all that is contains God. And so we as every human being, every life form is filled with the essence, the divine essence of God. So I've, I definitely talk about God and when I do, I and it's of interest to people, then I allow and invite them to be able to tell me where they are in their development so that I can be honoring of their definition of God. Let me ask you questions related to your work more specifically. The first question had to be this one. How did you become a writer, Michelle? Writing, I think for me, is a spiritual practice. It's been a process to be able to sort things out, you know, journaling, uh, that kind of thing. And I think for me, the word is a my favorite art form. I can have these experiences that are like in meditation or I connect to other dimensional levels of understanding, beings even. And then if I can come back and speak it or write it, it it helps me to embody and integrate. And the writing of this book in particular came from my own 
uh, being in the world as a healer and teacher and leader. And people would say, do you have all this written down in like a concise, organized fashion? I'd like to give it to my mom or my husband or my neighbor. And so it was been fun to have the pieces of writings um, come together and coalesce in the in this book. But it's, I think, just been started with a, a self-help practice that's through the words been useful to other people in my work. I have a question for you here about your private coaching business. You mentioned that you help individuals and organizations that are becoming more authentic and courageous every day. So I guess I would like to know more about your coaching business and also that word authentic. (laughs) (laughs) I think you and I both have uh, spent a number of years exploring these topics and there are levels of authenticity. And I think when we step into speaking our truth, knowing our truth, reflecting on what that is. So for an individual, often work with a wheel, you know, like a wellness wheel of where are you in your development of your finances or your physical health or your emotional health or your relationships or your environment where you live or your, you know, those kind of things. And then how authentically are you living in what you believe right now is your optimal configuration, your optimal choices. And then to move more deeply into the areas that feel, as we talked about, out of balance, out of alignment, not in peace or harmony. And what, where, what's your vision for where you want to go? That's kind of the coaching model. And then what are some steps to get there? What is the next right thing? And that happens in individuals that I work with and do coaching. I also do some coaching with couples or mother-daughters or families and teach a lot about nonviolent communication, about deep listening, about walking in each other's shoes, about understanding our common ground. And that same skills apply in an organization, in an institution, on a board. What's the common good here? And are the choices we're making in alignment with that authentic passion, that authentic goal, that authentic um, teaching that we espouse to. And if they don't, again, where are we and where do we want to be in this particular aspect of our organization and how do we get there? It might be better communication. It might be better policies. It might be more clarity of roles. And it's really been fun to watch organizations, families, couples, and individuals transform into their um, into a more authentic life. You said the unseen world of beliefs, intentions, and thoughts have profound influence on the small decisions we make every day. So I wanted to ask you questions about beliefs. How are beliefs different from values? I see values as a core guiding principle, kind of back to what we're talking about with authenticity. And if you explore and know your values, then as you make choices, they can be in alignment with those values. Beliefs are a filter that goes over the values and your authentic inner nature. Beliefs are something that you that distort what comes through. So if I believe that I am unworthy at my core, 
then many of the choices I make are not in my best interest because I am working always to find some way to feel worthy. So for instance, one of the ways people with that core belief behave is they put other people down because it makes them feel a little better. And then they feel worse about themselves and it reinforces this false belief that I am unworthy. To them, it's a true belief. And so if we, uh, in this whole conversation around racism, for instance, if a person with white skin, you know, a white person, Caucasian person, literally believes that people with brown and black people are less intelligent or less capable or are afraid that they're going to take their jobs, that false belief, if it's true for that person, then all of their behaviors get filtered through that belief system and they are unable to make optimal choices in their lives, right? So if we get stuck in these limiting beliefs and don't examine them or challenge them and ultimately release them, we go through a life not free. We go through a life dictated by these ruthless beliefs that cling to us or they, the false beliefs that we live by, these limiting beliefs, we avoid entire aspects of life that could be delightful based on the constricting limiting beliefs. So I believe that unearthing beliefs and loosening them And they're often replaced with another level that's more loose, allows more, allows an increase in our perception and our ability to tolerate indifferences at the beginning. And if we continue to unpack these beliefs, we come to understand that every single essence is precious, you know, from the mineral kingdom to the planet to water to other humans, and the joy of being alive is exponentially accelerated as we unpack these limiting beliefs. Yeah. I love the way you use the word release. So it is releasing them. So I'm wondering if we can navigate this reality without any beliefs. Yes, ma'am. That is my belief. (laughs) (laughs) Love that, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah, the ultimate, you know, in the practice, in the levels of consciousness, in my book, I talk about moving into unity consciousness, this place where we are, we recognize our first person experience as infinite. And in that condition, every moment can be a clean slate. Right? We bring all of our experience, all of our wisdom, all of our knowledge. doesn't go anywhere. But we can move into the next moment without that preconceived belief or filter. And in this moment, this is the optimal decision. I don't know. It can be anything. It can be, I thought I was going to have this for dinner and my body really wants that. I thought I was going to do this thing over the next hour, but in fact, I'm going to take a nap. I Right? So we have kind of this 
this skeleton of a plan of a day, let's say. And if we can live without limiting beliefs, we can be present with all of our attention and awareness in the moment and then intend to make choices on the on behalf of the the highest good for ourselves and all beings. And that is the idea of living without beliefs that are limiting is that every moment we take a breath in and out and express ourselves. And between the breath is a pause where we go back to a white clean slate and then we re-engage in our next breath and do the next right thing. I love that idea of living this life this way. And is there the risk of this becoming a concept and then now we are thinking the experience and perhaps aware of that idea that we need to be in the moment and let go because it sounds to me like another practice. You know, it is. There is a practice. The practice for me goes back to mindfulness and having all of our attention in the present moment. So that's the ultimate Uh, practice is to live that way. And so we want to just notice versus thinking too much. And there's this combined uh, flow in every moment where we open, we allow, we surrender, we notice with an unfiltered perception. And then there's the agency piece, then we act. So it's not passive, it's not aggressive, It's just in alignment in that moment with what is, and we do our part. So yes, if we get into overthinking, overplanning, overjudging, then we know we've fallen out of that non-belief, that mindfulness in the present moment. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's not thinking really how to behave, how to be, but being aware of what is. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Right, the practice. I mean, I've heard that said it. I'm sure you have too. The goal of meditation, the goal of practice, the goal of breathing in mindfully is to live it just moment to moment, right? (laughs) Yes. And the practice falls away. It's like the doing moves from the being inside when we're in that condition, right? We're in the beingness of it and then the doing flows from there versus the opposite where the doing gives us the value of being alive, and that's where we, we do that 180-degree flip over time. Um, and it feels very different to be a human being instead of a human doing. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask a question about imagination. How is imagination different from intuitive thoughts and rational thinking? Uh, as you ask that question, imagination for me feels like it's the entire pool of pure potential. It's everything that has been, could be, or is. And so it's this undifferentiated, kind of closer to the field of consciousness, right? Everything exists there in every possible form. And then a little more defined is this interconnected realm of consciousness where intuition and paradox and um, archetypes live, right? Synchronicity lives. It's not so specific, but out of the pure 
possibilities of imagination, something emerges in our awareness, right? To notice, to act on, to um, make a choice about. And then, as you said, the mental mind is even more defined. It's more dense. And it's uh, it often the information flows that direction from the pure imagination, the pure field of potential through intuition, through knowing in these subtle ways into our physical body, our mind, our emotions. And then we run it through all that. Is it authentic? Is it mine to do? Uh, or am I just trying to fix or be codependent or, you know, all those other things that happen in our mind-body and, and then we use our intellect, we use our body, we use our emotional body to move about the world and take what we know, what emerges in our awareness from those realms of the unseen world and create the seen world, create our lives. And I have a few more questions, but before, for a moment, Michelle, please talk to me about the three main levels of consciousness. I think you have been already talking about these levels, more precisely the I am infinite, you just mentioned a moment ago, but talk to me briefly about these three levels of consciousness. Yeah, they they all exist simultaneously inside of all of us. And they are not uh, linear. You know, you don't necessarily move from one to the other. You can move back and forth. But just for a map... I use the level of consciousness, uh, the beginning of I am individual. And this is often the first stage of human development. And here, our self-identification is limited to our own bodies, thoughts, emotions, personal stories, experiences. And from that perspective, I am me and I end at the end of my skin and everything else is other. And so I'm kind of in a continual state of protect and defend, right? And I, I um, need to focus on healing my holes and becoming whole. And as we move into the next stage, we have this sense of I am interconnected. And here our perception shifts and we actually begin to realize our individual self as interconnected. We recognize that our experience is really directly and continuously affected by what's occurring outside of our personal bodies, emotions and thoughts. And often I'll even give someone who says, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'll say, you know, when you go for a walk and you go for a walk in a crowded place, how do you feel in your body? What thoughts do you have? What are your emotions? And how about when you're in your favorite place in nature or in a conversation with a dear companion or friend or lover? you know that it changes your experience of your body, thoughts, emotions by being interconnected with what is continuously around you. And as we move into that, then we, and we become more uh, familiar with that stage of consciousness and it becomes more our home, more our regular identity, then we begin and continue to play into moving into this infinite. And here it's the subject and object actually disappears into pure awareness simultaneously to having all of the unique qualities of everything in that one infinite, eternal, pure awareness coexisting. And here, 
you just have this sense of falling into, that's how it feels for me anyway, opening up and relaxing into this bliss. It's like this pure interconnected. And some people have that sense when they're uh, running, for instance, they get that runner's high or you're working in your garden and you lose track of time or making love and you can barely tell where you and your lover end and begin. It's a sense of just pure experience, having an experience. And to the point that I made earlier, at any given moment, you can be in any of one of those states of consciousness. And the goal, I believe, in in human development is to stabilize, continuously stabilize as your regular life in a higher level of consciousness. The word that came to mind, integration, do you use that word too, Michelle? Absolutely. Because if you have a blissful experience, for instance, which it's rare for me to meet a a human being that does not have some understanding of that infinite. But if it just comes randomly, you have no access to it regularly, right? And it becomes a part of your experience and who you are. But as we integrate more and more of those experiences in my world, often through practice, through intentional practice, then exactly what you said, Valeria, it becomes integrated and embodied And it becomes who we are as our baseline. And that is the only way that we move into and live as higher consciousness. I love your work. I love the way you explain. It's so clear. Uh, Yeah, it can be felt. That's interesting. It's not just intellectualizing more knowledge, but it can be felt. I can feel the integration in you, like the way you speak, how you speak, what you speak about, every, the sound, everything is, comes together as one. How beautiful. I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Let's see, a passage in my book. There is so many things. I know. <laughs> here's, here's one I'm going to read. It's um, it's actually, a, I have permission from Eckhart Tolle to invite us all to participate in service as I am intimate, in, infinite. There is an even deeper level to the whole than interconnectedness of everything in existence. At that deeper level, all things are one. It is the source, the unmanifested one life. It is the timeless intelligence that manifests as a universe unfolding in time. The whole is made up of existence and being, the manifested and the unmanifested, the world and God. So when you become aligned with the whole, you become an aware part of the interconnectedness of the whole and its purpose, the emergence of consciousness into the world. So the invitation here is, as you continue to embody these higher levels of consciousness and move into regular access to I am infinite, life becomes more magical and you have the capacity to show up in the world unhooked and free and knowing who you are in your authentic self and the service that you can be in the world has an incredibly exponentially more impactful influence on creating, co-creating who we are becoming, especially during this time when every system on the planet 
is up for evaluation and there's so much deconstruction happening. We are being asked to be part of reimagining who we are becoming. And so the gift that you give to yourself and humanity in doing this work towards higher consciousness ripples out and is a benefit to everyone. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing, leaving the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Oh, I think I might go back into my little bit smaller world with my I'm a mother of two and a grandmother of four with five on the way. So I may just get very small and and diverge back in. But for me in the work in the world right now feels I just feel so blessed to be part of this global community who intends to be awake and are really open to the hard conversations and the transformation that's among us. So in terms of that, I I think I might do a high five and a final hug and kiss to all those in my tiny little inner circle, my dear hubby. But beyond that, the work I'm doing, I would, I hope to do it. I know there's a woman named Barbara Marks Hubbard that just died last year at 92, and she was still teaching a year-long course. I just, around this work, you know, so many people, Thich Nhat Hanh and Dalai Lama. So I just feel, for me anyway, this work is sacred work, and as long as I'm able, this is home for me. My last question What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know for sure that every thought and act I have in the world ripples out and makes a difference. I know for sure that when I am engaged with another human being, with my full attention in the present moment, there is a connection that enhances my well-being that stays with me. And I know for sure that if I am in a connection to my center within, that the guidance I have to do the next right thing is unshakable. That's what I know in the moment. Yes. (laughs) Wonderfully knowing. (laughs) Thank you so much for your peaceful presence, your profound wisdom, and how fun you are. Oh, <laughs> what a treat. fun. <laughs> well, you are definitely a soul sister on this uh, journey, Valeria, and I appreciate your work and your visibility getting this work out in the world. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Michelle. I do have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Thank you for that. Yeah, Living from the Center Within, co-creating who you are becoming is available anywhere online. Uh, the Paragon House is the publisher. They have plenty as well. You can find more information about my book, the services I offer, my ongoing group coaching offerings, as well as individual coaching at my website, which is Center Within, C-E-N-T-E-R-W-I-T-H-I-N, 
www.thecoachmentor.com. And I am here in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. So if you're ever by, I have an office. Love to see you there. I use Skype and Zoom and phone and all those other ways to get a hold of me. And then I'll offer my email as well, Valeria. It's Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E at centerwithin.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much again, Michelle, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Michelle Ray and her work, please visit centerwithin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.